On today's episode, how my first guest turned her pain into her purpose after keeping her battle with depression and suicidal thoughts a secret for years. And it got to the point where it lingered for so long to where my thoughts shifted from, I just want to sleep to, I just don't even want to be here anymore. But today, Deanna Bookard is empowering women around the world. And on The Coach's Corner, we'll tell you how to do more without experiencing burnout by using emotional time management. It helped Coach Jenny Priz publish four books in one year. We're a million times more productive than we ever thought we would be. Welcome to The Joy Sutton Show, where it's all about joyful conversations to inspire your life. When you show up in the world as the best version of yourself, you give other women the inspiration, courage, and permission to do the same. It's my time to take care of me. What made you think you could do it in your 50s? You know, I didn't think I could do it, to be honest with you. I was scared to death. We are all on our own journeys, but we can do this together. And there's something powerful about sharing our stories and the wisdom we've learned along the way. So let's dive into today's conversation and get to living our best lives. You have to step out on faith. You have to take the first step and go for it. To the outside world, my first guest, Deanna Bookard, had it all. But behind closed doors, she was struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. Today, Deanna has turned her pain into her purpose as an empowerment speaker, author, and consultant. She also founded her own national holiday, National Wear Your Pearls Day. It's celebrated every year on December 15th. But it was fear of judgment that kept her silent for two years, concerned about what other people would think, especially considering she's a woman of faith. It's embarrassed to say that I, I have faith and I trust God, but I hated my life. I was sad and I couldn't explain why I was sad. And that's a bad feeling to, to feel so sad. That's the only word and not explain why. To the world, I lived in a beautiful home, married two kids, had a very successful career, but I was sad and I didn't understand why. So now flip that. How do you tell the world who's looking at you and you have a beautiful home and a nice car and a great career and a beautiful family and you're sad? Why? And so, yeah, I think there there's still a stigma there and it does make it a little challenging for people to open up. And I think that is why it's so important for me to be as transparent as possible where, you know, people see me on social media and they see me doing interviews. They see me doing different things. And even when I post, I use the hashtag, my smile has a story, meaning many of us smile. And sometimes we're smiling through some really secret pains and struggles that we're dealing with. So what was it like during those two years of struggling? I know you said the sadness, like what was it like to experience that? Would you wake up and you just had this heaviness on you? Like what was it like during those two years? Yeah, you know, I, I started on this now at this point reading more about And I tell everyone, first of all, I'm not a clinical, that's not my area. I'm speaking from experience um, because I'm not a doctor or anything like that or a therapist. But, you know, there's a difference between, you know, just having a bad day and, you know, I'm just, I'm just sad today. I'm just having a rough day. And then you bounce back. But this lasted more than a day. 
and I didn't understand it. And I literally, it was get up, go to work, tend to the kids and get in the bed. I just wanted to stay in the bed. I just wanted to sleep. I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to talk. And I, to everyone on the outside, it looked like Deanna's busy. She's working and she's tending to her kids. We hadn't seen her in a while. She's probably busy. She's working. And really it was, I just wanted to sleep. I was just, I just felt like if I could just get through the day and just get in my bed, pull the covers over my head, go to sleep. It, it took off a few hours of me feeling so bad. And so um, it was that for me. And it, and it got to the point where it lingered for so long to where my thoughts shifted from, I just want to sleep to, I just don't even want to be here anymore. And it progressively got worse. And I remember sitting in my home trying to figure out, you know what, how could I end my life and not have my two toddlers walk in on me? What could I do? And I remember sitting on my bed thinking that through. Like now on the other side of things, I sit back and I think about that moment. And I'm like, that is such a low moment in my life. How many women are or men, because I've met men as well that deal with it but are sitting in their homes and trying to figure out how can they just escape it all at that moment. And it, it was the lowest moment for me. And that's when I went to counseling and I started going to counseling. So you did recognize in that moment, you were like, I definitely need to get help. Yep. Did anybody realize, I know you said from the outside, you know, people just thought you were busy. Was there anyone who even said, is something going on? Or do you think you hit it so well, you know, that nobody even knew what was happening? I think I hit it well. And that's why I use that hashtag, my smile has a story, because I think that I smiled through the pain and I continued to work through the pain. I continued to do ministry through the pain. And I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand why I had the pain and why I felt that way. But I also knew that I still had people that depended on me to do things. And so I was always doing, doing, doing for everyone else and never for a moment sit down long enough to think about Deanna. You mm -hmm. know, I, I always tell the story of when I remember sitting down and I said, you know what? I know what my, fa my, my son and my daughter's favorite foods are. I knew what my husband's favorite food was. I knew their favorite colors. I knew their hobbies. I knew my son, you know, as long as he got football, he's good. I knew my daughter, as long as she was experimenting and trying something new, she was good. I knew my husband, as long as he had football on TV and he had his favorite food, he was good. But I couldn't explain what my hobbies were. I couldn't explain a favorite food. I didn't even have a favorite color. And I was like, wow, I know so much about everybody else, but I know absolutely nothing about Deanna. Wow. And so through that therapy how beneficial was that? Like, was that like a light bulb moment for you going through that and kind of uncovering what had been going on with you? Absolutely. I am such an advocate for therapy. I am such an advocate for it because what people don't realize, sometimes if we just talk through some things and get it out, we nine times I think can answer our own questions. Because when I think about my moments of sitting and counseling it was just talking and it was going deeper and deeper into my life and deeper and deeper into my feelings and emotions. And the therapist was there to help pull that information out that was already in me. They, he didn't prescribe me any medicine, although they did prescribe medicine. And I'll, I'll say I'm, I personally couldn't take the medicine, um, but there's others that do and it may require it. But it, um, I didn't like the way that it made me feel. And so um, I chose to go harder with therapy. 
And it gave me that safe space to start uncovering things. And I began to realize little blotches of my childhood that I blocked out and I completely forgot about. And I'm like, whoa, that did happen. So it definitely helped to begin the process of identifying my triggers for my depression. And, you know, I'll tell anyone that even now, you know, years later of starting to share my story that, you know, I recognize my triggers and I know if I'm transitioning into that, that space, that unhealthy space. And I I have to make sure that I don't allow myself to go there. So it's still something that you have to deal with. I think sometimes people think, oh, you go to therapy and it's like you're cured, you know, that you don't have to deal with this. But I think like even hearing you that you're like, that is not the case. It wasn't for me and it's not for me. And, you know, um, my triggers are, you know, rejection and loneliness. And so, you know, being a widow, you know, my husband passed away in 2015. And then um, last year, 2019, my son left to go in the military um, at the beginning of the year. And so um, I, I didn't, holidays was always difficult for me period. And there's a lot more to that when I realize why, but being a widow and having the family dynamic completely changed of not having my husband and then um, having my son away in the military in Germany and the first holiday with him gone, which was Thanksgiving, it hit me and it Mm. hit hard. And I knew that the that's when I realized, okay, holidays is going to be a trigger for me. What am I going to do different? But it was so sad and depressing for me. And I said, every day I woke up and I said, today is not going to be like yesterday. And so I would try something different to to keep myself balanced. Um, But now I know holidays is a trigger for me. So I start decorating for Christmas in October. So my house is completely decorated. (laughs) Well, I want to go back to something that you said that I thought was, you know, a a huge part of your story. So as you're going through therapy, you're getting better, but then you experience this other, you know, major life event with losing your husband. How did that even play into everything as well? Because you were starting, I'm assuming, to gain ground and get clarity and feeling like you're kind of coming out of this, you know, to a point that it's manageable, but then, you know, you get hit with something else like unexpected. I think this is where my faith really kicked in like overdrive because I even look back and I'm like, who was that woman? Like, I I still can only say it was the grace of God because it was unexpected. It was tragic and it was so immediately uh, impactful for not just me, the kids, my late husband's family, my family. Because at that moment, at that time, we had been married for 15 years. So he was family to everybody. And so I, I realized again that I had to be strong, not just for me, but for my kids, for his family, and for my family that was connected to him. And everything that I had learned and adapted to as far as dealing with my depression, I had to put into full drive. So every day I did affirmations um, because his diagnosis, what the doctors were telling me, and and Joy, this was 10 months. He was in a vegetative state coma for 10 months. So this wasn't a week of he, you know, had a heart attack and then passed away within a week. No, this was 10 months of me putting this into action. 
And so um, what got me through was every day I did affirmations. And it got to the point where I took a dry erase marker and I wrote it on the mirror in my bathroom. And every morning I read affirmations to affirm my day and to get me going because it was every day it was something new. It was something different and challenging. And if anyone has ever dealt with depression before, you know, it could be that one trigger that just seen you completely spiraling down. And I just knew that my children was dependent on me and um, I had to to go above and beyond what I've already was applying with dealing with my depression. I knew I had to go above and beyond that for the sake of my kids. Wow. I can imagine just trying to deal with all of that and coming on the other side of it, what, almost five years later now. But even during that time of kind of getting through that and, you know, managing your depression and all that, you felt this calling to other people. I know you kind of talked about that early on, but did you just start to feel that you had a bigger purpose in all this that had gone on with you? That I know you said sharing it publicly, but was there something that just started pulling at your heart to say, I've got to share this. I've got to help other people. Was there some moment? What I realized before this happened was um, purpose is what was my motivator. And so um, prior to, you know, the accident, I began to discover my purpose. Because remember, I was seeing how I knew hobbies and interests and everything else for my kids and my husband, but I didn't know my own. So one of the things that I learned through going through my counseling was I had to rediscover me and I had to come up with my what's my identity? Who am I? And um, I remember seeing an interview that Oprah Winfrey did with 50 Cent and she asked him, she said, who are you? And, you know, he said, you know, I could say I'm a rapper and I'm a multimillionaire. He said, but at the core of it, he mentioned his grandmother. I think it was his grandmother that raised him. He said, I'm her son. And he began to share his story about, you know, being abandoned and and all those things. And I thought about that question. I said, who am I? You know, besides being a mom and a wife or sister or friend, who am I? Like, if we believe the word of God says that God created all of us and we were uniquely made, at that moment, I realized I got to have purpose. It's got to be a purpose for me being here. What am I supposed to be doing? And it was then that I realized that I love serving people. And my whole life, that's all I've done. And that's why I kind of lost myself along the way. But I love serving people. And so I began to use the tag, I am purpose. And my purpose is to serve others and help them identify their purpose, because I know what it's like to live a life without purpose and get lost and not have a self-identity. And so I think when the time came in my husband's accident, I had been so focused on knowing my purpose, making sure that I'm walking in my purpose and helping others. It kind of helped me. It sounds really crazy and weird, but it just helped me through such a tragic time in my life that I kept telling myself one of my affirmations was, I am purpose. I have purpose. And if God allowed this to happen, he will equip me and he trusts that I can make it through this. I love that. I am purpose and kind of going that. But you didn't just stop there with writing a book about your story. And I know you've had two books out that you've done, but you said this is national. I'm taking this to a national spotlight. And I didn't even know, you know, it was interesting as I was learning more about you and stuff that you went on to make what you went through 
um, a national holiday. And it's actually coming up December 15th. It's National Wear Your Pearls Day. So you went from like, I am purpose, going through sharing my own story to let me make this even bigger so that people connect to it, that there's a purpose and a mission behind it. How did you come up with the idea of, first of all, wear your pearls day and getting it to the point? I mean, I don't know very many people that come up and create their own national holiday. I didn't even know you could do that. You know, so how did you get to that point? So interesting. You know, I remember my my late aunt who raised all of us um, gave me a string of pearls and I just never was a fan. I never, I mean, you, you know, I was young. So young ladies typically don't run to the store and say, I want some pearls, but she gave them to me. And one day I just read, like, how was a pearl created? And when I learned the process of a pearl, I became addicted to them. So if anybody see me, I wear pearls all the time. Those are the only earrings I wear is a pearl stud. Every piece of jewelry I have is pearls because I realized that, you know, a pearl is created from dirt, something that we discard and we we don't put value on it. And when it goes through a process, the pearl is created. And I became, people started calling me the pearl lady. And so during the process of, that those 10 months of my husband being in the vegetative state coma, I just sat down. I was like, okay, God, something good has to come from all of this, you know, because I knew that he was going to pass. We knew that. Um, We just, I just thank God that he gave us the time to prepare for the the, the goodbye. Um, But I knew, I said, something good has to come from this. And someone had told me about national days and I remember reading about it. And I said, how do you get a national day? Like, wouldn't that be so awesome for me to have a national day? And so when I started doing the research on it, one of the things you have to do is you have to, and which I'm sure you know, with media, you had to pitch your story and you had to pitch why you should have a national day, a national holiday that will forever be on the national calendar. And when I pitched the story, I was declined the first time. A lot of people don't know that they declined it. And, um, I was determined. I said, no, this is going to happen. People need to hear this. People need to grab hold to this and we're going to make it happen. So I did it a second time and it was approved. Um, The unique thing about it, it is December 15th because my birthday was one of those depressing days for me. And so I said, what better way to turn something what was to me bad and sad to something beautiful? And so National Wear Your Pearls Day is actually on my birthday, December 15th. Oh, I didn't even realize that. that, And so what was that like when they said you're going to have a national holiday of everything you had been through, all those moments, the struggles and all of that to see this happen? You probably screamed. I'm like, I feel myself tearing up now just thinking about it. It is such... It's just so much emotion behind it. You know, that little girl that was mishandled as a little girl, molested, and who father rejected her, didn't have the the love of a father in her life and, you know, dealing with struggles and then dealing with depression and suicidal and just getting to a point in life where you want to give up and struggling to, to be a great mom, a good wife, and then to have your husband, you know, and have such a tragedy hit. When I got that letter, I cried and I cried and I cried. It was such a warm, good feeling. And it just, it felt like an accomplishment. And I I needed it. 
I needed it at that moment. And so it was the beginning um, of my new chapter. I always like to say it's kind of like my new chapter. It's like, okay, I, I got a fresh start to, to look at life with a whole new perspective. And it's to serve others and tell my struggle, my suffering in silence and tell it to others. But now on a much national platform and Every time I look up, I, you know, I go online and I Google it and I see people in Australia and Europe and Germany and all across the U.S. celebrating on my birthday. That's so awesome. It makes me feel really, really good. And for them to now, people to have a newfound appreciation for pearls, it's even more exciting. And I, I get happy every time I think about it. And so we never know like what we go through. If we just take the moment uh, to be transparent enough, it just might be that thing that someone else needs to hear. And I would have never thought at that time when I sat on my bed trying to figure out how to end my life and my kids not walk in on it, that years later, my story would be impacting people in countries and in areas I've never been in and people I may never get to meet. Uh, but it's, it's such a powerful movement. Um, because the day where your pearls day is supposed to take something that is beautiful and precious and hopes of that it'll open up conversations. You know, my, my desire is that on that day, that person that has been suffering in silence and silently dealing with this struggle will feel comfortable enough to share with somebody else. I love that. Well, I love that you're giving back to the world through your story and that you found your purpose. And we will be celebrating on December 15th. I just want to say that day again, December 15th, which is your birthday, but it's also National Wear Your Pearls Day. So ladies, I encourage you to wear your pearls on that day. Um, take a picture, you know, share it with Deanna. Um, we'll have some information to connect with her in the show notes. But share um, your story, even with her or with others, and use this as a day and an opportunity to start a conversation. And we all have things that we're struggling with. And through our own struggle, you may even find purpose. So I want to end this with there may be a woman out there who's listening who is trying to find her purpose. You know, and I think what's so beautiful about your story is you kind of weaved it in there because even in your therapy and all that, you found your purpose. So how do you, what would you say to the woman who's sitting there who's like, I'm still trying to find my purpose. Could there be something from my story that can help me get there? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is to begin to do the work of unpacking your luggage. And that's what I had to do. I began to unpack my baggage. Things from, you know, I, I say, I always say do it in phases, go back five years, then go back 10 years, then go back 15, then 20. So go back and begin to unpack those feelings, those emotions, why you felt that way and, and how did you react? And then sit back and think about what is that thing that you just so desire and love to do? And how do you think it would impact your life? How would it impact someone else? Um, purpose is that thing that you'll do at no cost you, you, because you just love doing it. It could be sewing. It could be crocheting. It, it, it could be art. Um, it could be media. It could be a number of different things. But it's that thing that you just love doing and it makes you feel good when you do it. I love Deanna's story so much because it's a reminder that something beautiful 
can come out of the darkest places in your life, and it can even lead you to your purpose. Don't go away. The Coach's Corner is up next. Are you a coach, consultant, entrepreneur, or author who wants to own your stage and embrace the spotlight? Through my media coaching services, I will help you get camera ready. To learn more, check out the show notes or go to thejoysutton.com. On today's Coach's Corner, I'm talking to my friend, Jenny Priz. She calls herself the single-handed serenity coach. She'll explain why in just a bit. But she also shares with us how she used a technique called emotional time management to publish four books in one year and skyrocket her productivity. She says dealing with our emotions is a key to success. So I was born with only part of my right arm, so it stops just below the elbow. And um, this is just something that my parents told me that... God wanted to, you know, how God wanted to make me. And so I took that on um, and it's really been a, a joy for me. It's something that, you know, having to work through some issues as a teenager, obviously normal, normal stuff, but um, it told me that I was wanted and that God had a purpose for me. And that was really helpful. It was all the other stuff in life that I didn't really <laughs> do well with. After <laughs> I am in recovery for alcohol for uh, nine and a half years. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I was codependent and was involved in lots of um, uh, unhealthy relationships, including one with a narcissistic sociopath. So um, I was beaten down quite a bit and I didn't understand boundaries or I didn't understand emotions because I was really stuffing them. I had panic attacks. I experienced a, a sexual assault in college that really left me really raw and wounded. And so it took me um, a good long time to figure out how to deal with my emotions. And once I did, it was like, oh my gosh, y'all, we could do this. We don't have to live as victims to our emotions. And let's let's get some people some help. Why don't people say this? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is no one talking about that? So it makes sense when I think about you calling yourself, you're also a life coach, but you know, a certified life coach. I want to mention that there, but really coining yourself as the serenity coach, because so many times, you know, many of us are dealing with difficult emotions. And actually the guest that is on before you was talking about how she struggled with depression. So it is amazing how many people are walking around struggling. You know, how long did you struggle? I know you said, you know, you grew up knowing that, you know, you were different and that this was how God had made you. And then you went through all these series of just things that could have broken a lot of people and they do break a lot of people. So how long did you deal with this before you're like, this has got to change for me? Oh, well, I mean, you know, emotions and not understanding them. Right. I mean, since I was a teenager, it was, I mean, I was a really happy kid. And then, you know, middle school, the world explodes. And for all of us with our hormones. I know. I went through that and, phase and too. Yeah. 
So I think pretty much since middle school, I'm 38 now. I'm not ashamed to admit my age. I look a lot younger than I really am. So when people see me, they're like, wait, what? And they hear my story, they get confused. So that that's actually my age. It's, it's a blessing. I'm humbled to to have that opportunity. But people don't always take me as seriously as they should because they think I uh-huh. When they see, you know, that you look young. But, you know, going through that, that, that had to be a lot, yes. you know, yeah. struggling with that. And how long would you say you struggled? Like I said, I've been in recovery for nine and a half years. So that's pretty much when my real recovery journey started and started to really understand what was happening, um, coming out of denial, understanding what was really happening with my emotions. Because really what I did was stuff them. And then the alcohol was just to um, help me numb out because I had no other way to do that. Why do you think so many of us stuff our emotions? Do you think we're not in tune with it? Do you think we don't want to deal with it? Do you, what do you think is the problem? A lot of them are uncomfortable. <laughs> They're super, I mean, who wants to deal with that? You know what I mean? We're supposed to be trying for our best life and, um, you know, we're always comparing ourselves to the people around us. And so it's, it's this constant effort I feel like for us to be striving to, what's that thing that's going to make me feel good? Is it having more money, right? Financial security? Is it is it having the bigger house? Is it having children? Is it being married? Like, what's the thing that's going to make me happy? What's going to make it all better? Because if I have that, that one thing, that secret sauce, then including emotional time management, right? If if I just have the secret sauce, then everything will be okay. And then I won't have to work as hard anymore. And that's really a fantasy that we all tell ourselves that if somehow I can just have the secret sauce and I won't be worried about things. Well, we're in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, a, a volatile election. And so even if you had the secret sauce in your own life, Man, you, the world around you is not going to let it's you in keep chaos. It. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you're constantly bombarded by. Oh, listen to that Jersey sound coming out. I'm from New Jersey, so sometimes <laughs> I hear it um, constantly. <laughs> uh, we're we're just constantly in that place of the world is going to try and interrupt us, whether we want it or not. And so the secret sauce is not about trying to avoid and hide and shun from, but the secret sauce is actually learning how to deal with it so that you can navigate through in a healthy way. And actually feeling those emotions, letting them out is the only way that we're going to release them. I love that. Yeah. There, otherwise, we're just going to be stuck with it. And we're basically carrying baggage that comes out in emotional explosions when we don't want it. Yeah. Like what you're saying, I so agree with, because I do think so many of us, we have things happen to our lives or we're going through emotional times. And like you said, what you did for so long, you just stuff it, you know, you don't deal with it. And a lot of times that does lead to people to self-medicate, whether that's drugs or alcohol, whether that's shopping, whether that's overeating. Because right. I know for me, that's some peach cobbler. So yeah. a lot of time, <laughs> you know, we get into these places where we're not dealing with it. But what I love that you help women to do, and you realize this in your own life, that if we can learn to manage these emotions, whoa, the difference is huge. And not only can it transform your life, right? You talk about, and we're going to talk about this today, is that even dealing with it in terms of managing your life, time management, like it's connected to that. How are emotions connected to time management. I never thought about it. I'm over here trying to time block, you know, doing all these different things. <laughs> right. 
But you say it's bigger than that. Yeah. I just want to mention briefly because, you know, I've in my story, it's very dramatic and, you know, there's addiction and, you know, DUIs and I have a criminal past now. So great. But uh, for a lot of people, what it ends up being is that they're not just, um, you know, yes, you can have that spiraling effect. But if you're not paying attention to this, a lot of times, especially when as you get older, women in their 40s, I'll say women in their 40s specifically, because this is my experience and clients and how how they've they go through life, something happens in your forties and your body starts to not be able to handle it anymore. Um, so ulcers, high blood pressure, cancer, whatever it is that comes up, it's just all of a sudden it crops up physically. So if it doesn't manifest, you know, in in the emotional symptoms or the, the addiction symptoms I'm talking about, it will manifest in your body. It does not just go away magically. So just to make sure that that's, um, the majority of our, of our experience in the world. And, um, I can't say exactly the age for men, but for women, it's definitely in their forties. And so emotional time management versus time blocking, time blocking was created predominantly by men who don't have the same kind of emotional structure that women do because we are much more, um, feeling emotional <laughs> and we have those hormones that want to come yes. up, even if we're not necessarily the most emotional people in the world right um we're at a little bit of a disadvantage there and so men have this opportunity to open the drawer one at a time okay i'm dealing with this now now i'm going to close the door now i'm dealing with this now okay now i'm going to close the door drawer and and women we don't think that way we have the big ball of string and everything is connected and everything is happening all at once And so, you know, in order to um, do what I feel like God is calling me to do in this ministry, we, Paula uh, Mosher Wallace, who is my ministry partner, and I really had to come up with our own way of uh, managing time. And she is the the proprietor of this. I'll give her credit for that. where I have worked with with this for years, uh, five years now, and have really adopted it, and it's amazing. We um, we're a million times more productive than we ever thought we would be. But the idea of emotional time management is recognizing that you have emotions, being aware of them, understanding them, understanding how they work in yourself, so that you can then be monitoring them on a consistent basis. And you can be choosing to prioritize because if I time block and I get a phone call that's disruptive and I put down the phone and I start, I, I'm like, oh, well, I should just be able to continue to do accounting, whatever that is, right? Something that's, that's um, if that, if I can't think straight anymore, we have a tendency to want to say, but this is my time block and I need to do this right now because this is the time that I've allotted to do this. When internally our emotions are all over the place, we can't concentrate anymore. And the idea of emotional time management is understanding, hey, you have an emotional spike right this second. You're not going to be able to think straight. Let's go do something else for a minute. Let's go for a walk. Or Let's do some filing, something that doesn't require as much brain processing, something that's maybe a little lower on the difficulty scale so that you can possibly keep being productive, but at the same time, really taking care of your emotions. And so I'll say those three things. Again, it's awareness. So if your awareness of your emotions, 
And also awareness of your responsibilities and goals, what those are, because sometimes we just work and work and work. My time blocks, my time blocks, my time blocks, and we forget why we're doing it. And then the second is constantly monitoring those, those two things, my emotions versus, okay, what, what are my responsibilities and goals? And then the third is choosing your priorities so that you can be the most efficient. Now, what kind of emotions are you looking for? So let's say I'm looking at doing this throughout my day and I'm, I guess you're telling women to check in with themselves. So if I'm checking in, am I looking for, I'm tired, I'm sad, I'm overwhelmed. Are there certain things that are triggers to me that say, maybe right now is not going to be my most productive time. I might need to, like you said, manage that, take a break or something like that. So what are those things I'm looking for? For me, uh, I've, I've figured out that I have, um, a cycle. And I think everyone, our own bodies, we have a cycle of when we're the most productive versus when we're not. So I'm the most productive between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. I'm not going to schedule a lot of meetings during those times necessarily if I'm like, oh, I could be really productive. However, if I know I've got to be alert and aware, I might for a a good meeting, right? I might want to schedule during that time. It just depends on what I want to get done. I will very rarely, and this is the exception, very rarely schedule an early morning call <laughs> because it's not generally when my brain is awake. This morning is, is a little bit different. But if I know that I'm going to be um, emotionally stressed, we all have those things in our lives that emotionally stress us out. Uh, if I think that, okay, on Friday, I've had a long week. It's, it's going to be a difficult weekend. I'm not going to schedule the interview over a weekend, which is one of the reasons why we've pushed this back a little bit further is because I've, I've thought, you know what, These are, this is my time to recoup. And I do know that this is when my body needs to rest and I'm not at my best. Those are some of the things as far as tired and productivity and what your body feels like. And then, yeah, triggers, know your triggers. I mean, if if a specific person sets you off, right, we all have those sandpaper type people and right. you're going to have a meeting with that person. <laughs> probably don't schedule your hardest task for the next hour after that meeting. Give yourself some time to recoup. I know people who have um, counseling on a weekday at a lunchtime or something like that. Coming back from that, schedule that time for filing or something light rather than, you know, the really deep, difficult work as much as you can, obviously. As a, and a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, we have the opportunity to really schedule our own time which is nice. But what, what I found is I wait for, I wait for the moment where I'm inspired to do something. That doesn't mean I got to push through sometimes, but, <laughs> but I don't just, it's a difference. yeah, there's a difference. And if you have the awareness and knowing yourself and you're monitoring yourself, you're like, okay, I feel like I could be okay doing this. Let me, let me try and start something. And I'll give myself instead of, I've got to start and plow through I allow myself to have, um, I guess, waves and and do it in chunks um, rather than, you know, trying to do it all at once. If it's a particularly big project, I'll try and break it down. Okay, I can't emotionally handle this whole big thing, but I can emotionally handle emailing this person about it and asking them something. You know, what is the one thing that I can handle? What can you do? If you can't do what you want to do, what can you do? And really kind of sifting through that. Yeah. 
two of those things really resonate with me because one, I was taking coaching clients on Friday and I realized, like you said, it was the end of my week. It was a Friday evening and I noticed I wasn't my best. And so I had to say, Joy, you're emotionally drained on certain days. Don't do that to yourself. So I totally get what you're saying because I could have said, well, no, you just need to plow through and your clients need you. So you need to do this on a Friday. But I realized I tapped into that. And what else resonated with me that you said is that I've had those times where I'm writing or doing something and I'm in flow. Yes. And you're inspired and you get so much and it's just coming, coming to you. It's, it's kind of like when I'm writing. That is one of the things like you really have to get in flow or be inspired or have that moment to write. And I'll get into writing and I'll be like, "Ooh, it's here. I have it. And so just, you know, using that during this time. And what I think is so incredible, Jenny, about what you've done is you've used this because in 2019, not to mention what we're doing in 2020, I just want to run through a few of the things that you did in 2019. And I want you to talk me to through how this um, concept of emotional time management was huge for you. In 2019, I saw that you published not only one, but four books. You launched a second international TV show. You launched a one-year curriculum. You organized and hosted a women's conference. You wrote a film script and you traveled internationally. That's just an, a few of the things, right? Yes. <laughs> so, But in all of that, in 2019, I love that you said that you did not experience burnout. Yes. And that is huge. So take me through that and just going back to that emotional time management and how you use that over the last year to accomplish so much. Like, was that like a total shift from you before of how you used to do things? <laughs> total shift. I would push myself and push myself and I've got to do this thing and I've got to do it and I've got to do it because I have a goal and I have to reach my goal. And if I don't reach my goal, then I'm a failure or I'm, you know, less than whatever it is. I haven't proven myself. Nobody knows my goals but me. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the beauty. That's good. Uh, <laughs> that is so good. Like nobody's in here like, okay, Jenny, you said by this day. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, mm -hmm. I have that opportunity. Now I have worked in offices where, you know, clearly people knew my goals. <laughs> So there, you know, there is some of that, but the understanding that like my value is not in what I've achieved. And so for me, I had to kind of take my eyes off of what am I achieving as the goal and take it back down to a daily moment by moment thing. And you mentioned my book, Ditch the Drama, that talks about the serenity prayer. And in the serenity prayer, we say one day at a time, one moment at a time. And that's, that's really what it is. It's coming back to, okay, in this moment, I'm one, not going to beat myself up. Because if I beat myself up, that's actually doing more damage. And it's, it's setting me back even further from reaching my goal. Whereas if I just spent the time to rest, that looks like totally different time than, oh, let me rest physically while I mentally torture myself and beat myself up. <laughs> like that, that will set you back from your actual goals. So I had to, you know, rein it in and just moment by moment focus on those, on those things. Am I tired? Do I need a nap right now? Do I need to cancel my plans for this evening? Uh, do I need to call someone and say, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't meet you because I'm in the writing flow right this second. What does that look like? My schedule has changed and now I'm unavailable. 
I don't need to tell everybody all of the details of what's going on, but this is now my schedule has changed. And so working, working that to my own advantage, playing to my strengths of, Hey, this is a strength. I'm going to work in. This is a weakness. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm just going to let myself rest. And when you did that, you accomplished so much more, right? Yes. I mean, just looking at all you ha- you accomplished, but you weren't in burnout mode. And something I love that you said, because as you're telling women, right, that we have to tune into these emotions in terms of our time management, but it also is like boundaries. Oh, yeah. Even if you tune in, you know, boundaries seem to be a really big part of it. What was that like, you know, Jenny, the first time you had to tell somebody like, hello, my schedule has changed and I'm no longer available (laughs) at this moment. What was that? What was that like for you to have to do that? I really think about my words because I'm, you know, I was codependent for so many years and I'm also a Christian. You guys can't see it, but I am wearing my cross this morning. Um, And so my thing is I don't want to lie to people like that actually will emotionally impact me negatively. And so I'm always trying to find a balance, but boundaries are the best. It's, it's, it's a practice and it's not something I was good at. I was, I was terrified starting out like, Oh my gosh, they're going to hate me. At the end of the day, it's like, look, I got to do what's best for me. And the more I do it, the more I understand why I have to do what's best for me. I don't think I had any idea. I don't think most of us have any idea how negatively we are impacted until we finally start to take care of ourselves and allow ourselves to have that self-care. Self-care is huge. I get my nails done, you know, every few weeks because that's my self-care time now is I don't, I can just sit down and relax and someone else can pamper me. (laughs) You know, I need, there's, there's those, we all have those things. We all need to find what those things are too. It's because it's not just quote, resting, taking a nap, but it's also what fills you up as well. Is it reading a book? Um, It's really difficult at first to start setting those boundaries. And then once you do, it gets easier and easier and, and, No is a complete sentence. My time is valuable. And, um, and I say that now, but man, have I, did I hear that a lot and not understand what it meant? Um, my time is not valuable because of the money that it can bring in for me. Okay. Like that's what I heard from men all the time, you know, like, oh, well, my time is valuable because I charge it X amount of whatever. No, your time is valuable because it's the only time we have here on earth. Like it's the only time we're given. It's this huge gift. And you don't get it back. Right. Like my time is life. Like it is life. And Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. It's your present. Like we don't have tomorrow. We don't have yesterday. We just have right this second. And so use it to help yourself um, have the best life you can have, you know? I didn't get that joy, that serenity, that freedom. I mean, serenity was all I thought I could ever get. I didn't think joy would, you know, and happiness would come into it. It did. (laughs) Thank God. But yeah, it was like, if I could just, if I could just not be tortured, you know, Um, and part of that was definitely boundaries and using them. We train people in how they deal with us, you know, how to treat us by how we respond to them. Yeah. And I think the biggest boundary, you know, as you're saying that is one of the biggest boundaries is the boundary with yourself, you know, because you had you said in that I had to get to the point of not beating myself up. 
right? Right. Like you didn't get this. to, And that goes back to that emotional time management. Like, oh my God, you were supposed to get these five tasks done today and you blew it. You know, a lot of it, or you didn't get it done or whatever. Instead of saying, no, you know what? Today I had to set a boundary with myself. It was a difficult day. Maybe it was the anniversary of someone's death. Maybe my boss was irritating me, whatever the situation and I had to take care of me and that's okay. I love that. So, I mean, you've given us so many golden nuggets. So I just have a few last things for you. So if there's a woman who's feeling burnt out right now, right? Mm-hmm. She has a lot of emotions that's tied to that. And she's like, I know I'm burnt out. I know I'm going through all this, but where do I even begin? How do I even start this process? Where do I start, Jenny? Help me. Mm. Um, feel your emotions feel them, let them out. There's a strategy. Uh, you mentioned I did a curriculum. We launched a curriculum, Recovery Strategies for Life. It's 45 strategies. One of my most favorites is emotional detox. You have to give yourself time to detox. Um, I have personally taken up to three months off as a sabbatical where I didn't like go out and do stuff on my sabbatical. I literally just stayed in my house and slept and cried and, you know, process my emotions <laughs> for the most part for three months, because that's how burnt out I was. Um, oh. Gosh. And I, thank goodness I had the ability to do that. Um, you know, like I said, God was very, very good to me to set that up and let that be something that I could do, but we have to let it out. And so find the time to let it out. And even if, um, you know, I know some people are like, but if I start, I'll never stop. Set yourself a timer. Mm. And when you say let it out, are you meaning cry? Are you meaning write it out? Like, I know you said oh, you, whatever. you and all that. Like, how do you do that emotional detox? Because I'm sitting here thinking, like, do I just sit on the couch? Do I just cry? Do I write it out? Like, how do I do that? Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd specifically um, think about the stuff that <laughs> is bugging you that you don't want to think about. Um, yeah. Cry. Write in your journal. Um if you're a, a verbal processor, talk to a friend. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just, I'll listen to sad music just to, to help myself sort of, you know, or something that reminds me of the thing that I'm, you know, that I was struggling with, or, um, sometimes there's just anger on top of it first. And so punching a pillow, <laughs> whatever it is to get it out and whatever that feeling is allowing it, asking yourself, what is this feeling? What is it? And then, and then how do I let it out? And sometimes there's really not a lot I can do and there, there's not necessarily tears, but even just letting those, those muscles in your core tighten to, to kind of reflect what's going on. That is a release as well. Cause you're, you're expending physical energy to get it out. It just sounds relaxing. Like I don't think a lot of people think about, you know, emotionally detoxing instead, like you said, going back to the big, the the first part of your interview that we just stuff it away, but to really sit in it. Ooh, yes. But if you're not sitting in it, like you said, you're not releasing it. It's building up. You find in your late thirties, forties, like you said, forties, Women start, it's showing up in our bodies. We're having high blood pressure. We're gaining weight. We're dealing with all these things. And it's because 
we have not been listening to our emotions and dealing with them. Completely. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, for me, again, trusting God with all, all of my emotions, you know, as a Christian, not, I know that your audience isn't necessarily Christian, but, you know, trusting God with my emotions and saying, okay, God, help me understand what am I feeling right now? Where is this coming from? Is it something from my past? Like, cause a lot of times it's stuff from our childhood that's coming up. And so I'm asking him, you know, and I work with trauma victims and I myself uh, experienced trauma. And so it's very much feeling like you feel like a little girl, like you feel like you're back there in that place or that age. Um, and that's okay. We don't have to be scared of that. Like dealing with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay that, that you're not the only person who feels that way. Um, and so, and you can recover from that, but a lot of it is still, you know, again, emotionally detoxing, getting it out. And whenever you can, not all of us can have the three months off, but if you're, if you're totally burnt out, you need to schedule that chunk of time. And ideally you'd be able to schedule one big chunk of time, but if not, then you need to, on a regular basis, figure out what's my self-care and how do I get these emotions out? Well, my question too, from that, once you get those emotions out, what do you do from there? Because you're like this mess, you know, a little bit, or you feel like it because you've like emotionally detoxed. And, you know, I think of about that, like, how do you pick up from there? What do you, what's that next step? Gratitude is, is a huge thing. You know, um, we don't, you don't have to be a Christian in order to experience gratitude. Right. To be thankful. Yeah. It's huge in your life. To be thankful for all that you have and to celebrate. I mean, take the time to actually celebrate because we take the time to deal with all the junk. Well, take the time to actually celebrate. So on that day that you, that you think you failed because you didn't do the five things on your to-do list, like your to-do list is not the answer to, to a happy life. Okay. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'm I'm in agreement. That is that's huge. So once you've gone through that detox process, take a moment in that space. Have gratitude. Think of all that you've accomplished. Celebrate that and then get back up. Right. Yeah. And then I guess too, just promise yourself that you're going to listen to those emotions. Like just make a shift. Yeah. It's this is a lifestyle. This is a practice. It takes time to, to rewire sort of because we're not necessarily trained this way, um, any of us, to really listen. But yeah, it's a shift and it takes time. And if you need to celebrate the fact that you cried and emotionally detoxed and celebrate that you took that time for yourself, you know, because that's a, that's a big win too. No win is too small to be celebrated. You gave us so many golden nuggets. You know, I'm walking away with this conversation like, wow, you know, your emotional time management, it's so much more important than time blocking. You know, listening to yourself, saying no to others, listening to that. And if you need to take that time today and emotionally detox, do that. And as Jenny is proof, she has accomplished more than she ever imagined through that. So as we wrap up, if women are listening to your story, how can they connect with you? You know, you're, you like I said, you're someone who's helping so many people through your television show. Tell me how women can connect with you or the best way to, to follow you and learn more about your journey and how you are living truly your best <laughs> life. <laughs> I would say that, I mean, my email is Jenny at bloominthedark.com and anyone can email me there if they have uh, specific questions. 
Um, but one, one of the great resources that we have that we, that we launched this year in 2020 is Bloom Channel. And then Recovery Strategies for Life is the second television show that talks about how step-by-step you can recover from the world. And so that's one that's, uh, we've got a life coach, uh, which is me, the certified life coach. We have a, a certified counselor, licensed professional counselor is the correct term. And our ministry leader, uh, Paula Wallace as well is on there. And so that's, uh, kind of attacking it from three different sides. I love it. And one final piece of wisdom that you would leave the ladies with today, if there was one final thought you would leave with them today, what would that be? So live moment by moment and be present in it. What a powerful reminder. You know, I'm going to try that new emotional time management technique because what Jenny has accomplished, I mean, just doing the four books in one year is a huge feat, but she's also an author, as she talked about, a coach, a speaker, a TV host, and she recently co-launched the Bloom Channel, a platform to share hope and healing with individuals around the world through media. To learn more about Jenny, check out the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. And I hope through listening to my show that you are being inspired, that you're being challenged, that you're going after your dreams and you're tapping into your purpose to leave your mark on the world because it's so important. And I want us to reach more women across the globe. So make sure to share this episode with your friends, to leave a review and to subscribe. But most importantly, remember this, this is your time to shine.